0: Hairdressing, business, beauty products, people, interviews, fitness, health, well-being. I'm Nathan Plumridge, and welcome to Hair Life. Hello, and welcome to episode two of the Hair Life podcast with me, Nathan Plumridge. Wow, episode two! I'm pumped. I'm excited. Uh, I am already loving this journey. It is. It is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm hoping you're going to come along for a ride with me. Um, I'm here this evening and I have this great view from my little podcast room here in the attic. Uh, I'm looking out over the coast down to Torbay and it is definitely making me feel super relaxed. I've got a beautiful sunset and uh, I'm hoping you're going to enjoy this episode. So this is episode two and this one for me is kind of following on from you know, my little journey into hairdressing and now I'm sort of opening the business as a 21-year-old and kind of what the journey was like. Um, In this episode, I really want to take you further into the opening of our our business and working with my father, my friend um, and growing the salon and like the problems that we had along the way with, you know, recruiting team members and some interesting clients um, and navigating the issues that that come with that, particularly being, uh, I suppose, a, a startup. But at the same time, this one um, is mainly about my dad um, and my business partner because uh, it's six years ago today uh, since he left us. And I thought it would be quite nice to talk about some of the stories and the sort of the man that he was. So, you know, looking back in my head and starting to think about how our, our business grew It's also been really a cathartic thing for me, and this is what's probably the most exciting thing about this show is that it's enabling me to, you know, remember so many amazing moments and memories that I now believe will kind of shape my future again. So, you know, here we go. Let's let's get cracking. So, remembering the first day with uh, my dad and opening those doors to Energy Hair in little old Topsham Road was. An incredible feeling, not just because we had this shiny, you know, new business, but because me and my dad got to work together. And I can honestly say now that that has been one of my greatest achievements, um, just simply because I got to spend so much time with him, um, particularly before he passed. And that is a completely another show altogether. But we're going to get into that when we do some other great interviews with some amazing people. Um Watching those clients come in and enjoy our little salon and really get a feel of what energy was all about. It was it, it was truly about kind of family and enjoying the creativity that comes uh, from being really happy in your work. I mean, those first few months were amazing and challenging. Working with my dad daily was a challenge in itself. Um, for those of you that knew him, he was a brilliant hairdresser, but very different to me. And his customer service was Literally something else. Um, the way he spoke to clients was cheeky, rude, bossy, but all with charm. And I've got to say, they absolutely loved it. Um, my clients, on the other hand, were always a little shocked, uh, but it really worked for my dad. You know, he just had this incredible personality. And I think nowadays it's something that has been kind of diminished particularly you know if you take like even pub landlords you know there's the the days when you had a really good old pub landlord where do you see them anymore because they're all managed um so yeah moving on to my dad this was just a story that I started to think about and it's it's a day that I will never forget and it was with a, a basically a gentleman called Mr Abraham and um I'm going to obviously I'm completely free flowing uh on this one but my recollections of this day were Mr. Abraham was a, a lovely old gentleman. And if you can imagine, um, me and my dad were working in the salon and he, he walked in um, and he just grabbed, a, just grabbed a seat. And as a result, he took his hat off, took his coat off and hung it up, sat down. And my dad kind of looked over at me like, you know, what the bloody hell is this bloke doing here? Um, he looked over and then said, Mr. Abraham, hello. He said, uh, have you got an appointment today? He said, yes, I'm booked in at 10.15, Geoffrey. Um, my dad was like, no, I'm sure you haven't. No, I'm sure you haven't. Let me just check the book. Walked over to the little reception desk that we had at the time and basically said, no, Mr. Abrahams, I've got you booked in tomorrow at 10.15 for your haircut. So um, if you'd like to come back tomorrow at 10.15, that would be really appreciated. Mr. Abrahams was not having any of it. He was like, no, Jeffrey. I'm booked in at 10.15 today. I would like my haircut at 10.15. So my dad had that look and I could just tell. I thought, oh, God, what's going to happen here? So my dad said, look, Mr. Abrahams, um, I'd really appreciate it. I can't fit you in today, but if you can come in tomorrow at 10.15 when your appointment actually is booked in, that would be fabulous. Mr. Abrahams again said, nope, not having any of it. So my dad literally looked over, grabbed his coat, grabbed his hat, politely walked over and just sort of just very gently put his hands around Mr. Abraham's shoulders and almost like picked this little gentleman up, stood him up. And honestly, I swear to God, it was like something from Faulty Towers. He slapped this <laughs> this cap on his head and then racked, a, you know, the jacket around his shoulders. And then before I knew it, he had sort of frog marched him to the door, opened the door, pushed him out and said, thank you, Mr. Abrahams, look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning. And, you know, that's just a moment that I just, I think, imagine that happened today. It just would never happen. But do you know, the crazy thing about it was that he turned up the next morning. He turned up the following day, Mr. Abrahams walked in for his ten fifteen appointment. And you know what? He did not even mention it to my dad. He literally, they never spoke about it. And it was just like almost like a rite of passage that that's what would happen. Um, I mean, that was just a, a number of things. There was an, another day when I had uh, another typical example of customer service was that was dad's style was my father was there with a client called Annie, who still comes to us, um, you know, like 30 years later. And she was talking about her haircut. And my father was was literally like, um, Annie, uh, I'm the hairdresser. You're the client. I'm going to just do your hair and make you look great. So you don't have to say anything. Uh, I'm in charge here because I'm the stylist. So thanks for that. I mean... God, could you imagine doing that? I mean, it might be make your life easier being a hairdresser just to take charge. But, you know, talking to a client in that way. And that was that was a, just an, another silly little moment. I mean, th- these are just a couple of examples of how he was. But the fact that his guests loved it, it was just incredible. And they loved in just how real and authentic he was. Um Jeffrey the stylist was definitely the same for everyone. Um, Never any different, like wherever he went, he he just said it exactly how he was. Um, And looking back, you know, what a stylist. And as a businessman, you know, he'd been particularly successful um, when he was my age, when he was very young. You know, dad was kind of a rare thing, you know, when he started in the early 60s as a male hairdresser. And actually a bloody good one. Uh, he won the British Championships in hairdressing when he was 17 years old, which uh, was the first time he'd ever entered it. And, you know, he went on to open his first salon at 20 years old. Um, and, you, you know, can you imagine during the 60s being a 20-year-old male? You were you were pretty special. Um, and Geoffrey Haircare was like the, the name. Um, and over the coming years, he ended up having like another three salons, um, grew, took on more people, um, and the businesses were earning pretty good money. I mean, if I think about it as a youngster, um, we had a great lifestyle. Uh, my dad used to say it was, you know, all good cash under the mattress. That's what these salons were. They were good earners, my dad would say. Um, and honestly, like, that's kind of where the cash went. It went under the mattress, but it also went into a lot of lovely cars uh, and then a beautiful family home and a lot of fancy clothes and a lot of parties. Um my dad and my mum loved parties. There was always people around for drinks. I mean, God, you know, you go back to that time. What was it? Prawn cocktails, volivants, you know, glasses of baby sham. I mean, they were living the life. And he he did. He earned a lot of cash, but he also he spent a lot of cash, but he definitely enjoyed it on every level. Um, and it's probably a habit I think I've picked up, you know, for sure, like spending money. And enjoying the sort of time and moments it brings with friends and family. And I, I could probably have more cash in the bank now. Uh, but hairdressing is what I often call like a lifestyle business, uh, which is why I think it's one of the things we're going to be covering a lot like during these shows. Um, that there, there are definitely a lot of different angles to it. Um, and I think, you know, there are hairdressers that basically do it for the love of cutting hair and styling hair and people that, you know, just making people look and feel good. But there's also um, a large portion of the industry that earn a ridiculously large amount of money out of it. They make really high profit and it is a very lucrative industry if you do it right. Um, so, you know, let's get back to the sound. Here we are six months in and me and my dad start realizing that we need another stylist. Um, We were just, you know, pretty much rammed all day, every day. And I mean, like seriously rammed, you know, I was particularly busy um, on my own. I used to work late every night, sometimes till 10 o'clock. I can always remember those sort of moments when clients would drive past on their way into town, maybe like at 7 p.m. to go for dinner. Um, And then they would like drive past on their way home at like 10 o'clock and toot their horn um, whilst I was still working. And. Do you know, I mean, those were crazy times, but it's something to this day that <clears throat> still wicks me uh, kind of sticks with me. Um, if you love something, it's not really work. And I think it's one of those things that if you are incredibly passionate about something, you could work seven days a week. But if you love it, then what's the big deal? Um, and, I, and I think that's probably been one of the things that's enabled me to hopefully get where I am, you know, today. Um Yes, you get tired and yes, your shoulders and feet tell you that you've worked your ass off today. Uh, But one thing it never gets tired is my mouth. Um, It never got tired of talking all day uh, and it still doesn't. You know, here we are on this podcast, you know, this evening after talking all day and I'm still chatting. Um, I'm, I'm definitely I simply love like chatting and building relationships with incredible people. So kind of looking at, we took on our first stylist, Anita was her name. That was it, Anita. Um, And what a find she was. Anita was working in a salon in town and she'd been a really popular stylist, which meant she had an incredible clientele, which meant ching, 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 ching. And yes, they all followed her all the way to energy hair. So we were very pleased to see the tring tring of Anita. Um, And I've got to say, like me, dad and Anita had some incredible times together, just the three of us. um, We would regularly go like to the pub after work and have a few drinks and chat about the day um, and the guests that we looked after. And it was I don't know, it was. Anita was just really cool. She was really easy to get on with. She also really quickly grew her business. And as a result, this is when we had to expand again. Um, And this time it really meant knocking Uh, through into what was my dad's lounge so you know as you can imagine we're only like a short time into the salon and we've already taken my dad's dining room and now we were going to have to knock out my dad's lounge and this was when we had this awkward conversation I think over a couple of drinks and basically I said dad I'm sorry but we need to get bigger so you're gonna have to get out of this property and move somewhere else Um, so I proceeded to facilitate buying my dad um, a new house uh, and we took over the salon sort of site as a whole. Um, and I moved in upstairs and we also took on like another stylist at the same time, Emma. Um, she was a really good friend of Anita's. They'd worked together in town. Um, she was beautiful, like a really beautiful girl. And, and I mean like a real talent. And I think the all of us, uh, I just think we had a really talented sort of foursome. Um, and this is where like, also I think a lot more of the fun sort of started. Um, First and foremost, being on site was great because it meant that I could work, you know, either later and easier, um, but I could definitely focus more on growing the business. Um, and that was, I think, the thing that I was at that time as a youngster really, really focused on. And when you look back at that time, it was pretty special. I didn't really have like any big expectations of what the business was kind of going to look like. Uh, it was just all about enjoying what I did and making enough cash to, to live and pay the bills it was so so different to my life now my god um and we were definitely on a bit of a rocket ship to to kind of growth in the salon um it was buzzing every day we were loving it um we'd also been getting quite a lot of press locally and um out of nowhere i got this call one day from um, a tv production team for the BBC who were making a new show uh, with uh, Ian Wright, the footballer that played for Arsenal. Uh, I think it was called Any Dream Will Do. Um, they asked me if we wanted to uh, appear on the show and make a young lady over um, on it. And of course, we, we jumped at the chance of this um, because this show was going to be aired on BBC at 7pm on a Saturday night. I mean, it was like... Boom. Prime time. What an amazing opportunity. Um, So we did it, met Ian Wright and all his team. Um, I think the show, you know, kind of turned out to be okay. We got about five months worth of decent PR in local press um, and on the radio and in some magazines. And I think that really helped kind of springboard the salon um, again to another level. Um, Oddly, you realise how difficult it was back in the sort of late 90s because it was also it was all about great hair experiences there there weren't the social media platforms that are there today it was all about client referrals um you know you might do a little bit of paper advertising which wasn't cheap but it was all about what we did in the salon so it was that complete client experience um it sometimes also makes me think now if we opened the salon today, brand new, um, just how different it would be. Is it easier? I was kind of like, I'm not sure, but there's there's definitely more competition now, um, particularly with the rise of kind of freelance self employed stylists, which I think now equate to like over 50% of the UK hair industry. And I think, you know, in terms of startups, hairdressing and beauty is. I think like in the top five. Um, so kind of getting back to the salon over the next few years, we we started to employ more and more team members. And within a couple of years, we had a team of eight. Um, and as a boss, there were also so many lessons that you, you have to learn sort of daily as you grow. Um, and basically what was about to happen, this, this basically, I think sort of changed my life forever. So, like every business there are times when you have a a bad apple you know we love saying that a bad apple um but we definitely had one and this bad apple was turning the rest of my lovely bunch very brown um we had a couple of situations happen and we had to deal with it um in the way that we thought was was best now at this stage uh, my dad's HR was not great. Um, and then, to be honest, uh, neither was mine. We were full of our own shit. Um, we, were, we thought that no one would ever leave us. We thought we were absolutely the dog's what's it. We were packed out. Everybody was doing really, really well. Um, so we never thought that this would kind of happen. And we had a very lengthy discussion with some of the team. We had a few raised voices. And then suddenly out of nowhere, my father chirped up uh, with, with, well, if you don't like it, you can fit in or you can off um, and reinforcements will be on their way. Um, Well, as you can imagine, I'm sat next to my business partner and I was quite shocked. And at that point, I I kind of had to stop the meeting because number one, I didn't know there was any uh, reinforcements, whether they were on their way. and it really wasn't a situation where I wanted to lose a load of people. And then, as you can imagine, needless to say, the next morning, we had five resignations, like five stylists um, handed their resignation into us. Um, and you know what? There just really wasn't anything I could do. I think at that point, um, they had just sort of seen that my dad, in his eyes, just didn't really care. If you did not want to work with us, then that was that. Um, and... I have to say, like I, I really did feel physically sick because for us at that time, we we literally had like quarter of a million quid, just walk out of energy, um, and there were just three of us, literally three of us, um, me, and my dad, and lovely Beverly. And at that point, I, I really did. I thought the salon was over, um, and I think you know sometimes in life these things. You know they're sent to try us, but you you look at it at the at the time when it happens and it feels really bad, like that's it. There's nothing else that's going to get in the way, but actually, you know, it kind of turns out okay. Um, And that for us, I suppose, is exactly what happened. We ended up working, you know, our absolute asses off for six days a week, 12 to 14 hours just to keep clients happy. We didn't want to lose people. We went into full, you know, let's just look after every client. Obviously, there was no, you know, then you did everything in a book. So it was a contact phone number and we were trying to contact people. Um, and just let them know that we would look after them, we would fit them in, and we would work around them. And you did whatever you needed to do to keep those clients happy. Um, and, you know, I suppose that for us was also like a huge turning point because we ended up recruiting pretty much an entire new team of really talented stylists. Um, and I vowed from that day forward that I would never let that happen again, or I would try to. Um, to not let it and i think that there's certainly a lot of lessons that we got out of that so here we are thanks for listening um i honestly can't wait to talk to you again in the next episode um remember to follow me on instagram and on facebook um please give me a review and let me know how i'm doing so far um also sending requests on content you'd love to hear about to nathan at any hairlife.com uh, and i will get back in touch in the next episode so i look forward to seeing you then take care